this effort. So there we go, as we have now started, uh, amen, our, um, our recording version of today's program. And for those of you who are now just joining us, uh, you missed the prayer requests and the announcements and pretty much the introductory, the introduction to today's Bible study format. But let's get right into it today. And again, I apologize for that distraction. But uh, this afternoon, I would like for us to spend today's edition of the broadcast at least, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, we're going to get, Lord willing, all the way uh, through verse number 23. That means we're going to cover an entirety of two verses. Praise God. We're going to, amen, we're putting it into overdrive this afternoon. Hallelujah. Uh, and uh, what that means is that by the time today's study is over, we will have finished up the entire section uh, of Romans chapter number 6 in our study of Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. And I'm excited about that. That means that we have uh, covered a total of six, excuse me, we've used 14 episodes to cover uh, Romans chapter number 6. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm convinced after this study that Romans chapter number 6 is one of the... Um, uh, the misvalued uh, uh, chapters of the book. And, and we underestimate the importance of the content that is found within the pages of chapter number 6 of the book of Romans. And uh, boy, I tell you, it's just jam-packed filled with all kinds of helpful and beneficial truth that we who are saved can apply in our lives. But if you remember, we've entitled this current section of our study of chapter number 6, of the book of Romans as the yield section of the chapter. And it follows right on the heels of the no and the reckon sections that we've already examined previously in our study. Paul wants us to know some things about uh, specifically regarding our identification with the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, but then once we know these things and have been made aware of them, then we are to reckon and we are to apply uh, amen, these truths, and we are uh, to propitiate these truths unto our lives. And what you know is of no value or benefit to you if you're not willing to make application of the things that you now know. But within this final yield section of Romans chapter 6, uh, again, and by yield we're talking about uh, a, a, a capitulation to, uh, or a catering towards, or a concession towards another person of object that we recognize uh, as having authority or dominion or rule in over our lives. Amen. We know these things. We've reckoned or made application of them to our lives, but now we are to yield ourselves. And that's the third word, and that's the third and final section uh, of chapter number 6 in the book of Romans. But within uh, this yield section, we find three subcategories that can be identified by three distinct words that are found within the last several verses of the chapter itself. And they are as follows. Favor, uh, actually the word used is the word grace, but uh, again the synonym for grace is favor. Then the second word is freedom. And we've been talking about that over the last uh, several days. Up until yesterday we began... Uh, studying this new subcategory that we've entitled fruit. So it's favor, freedom, and fruit. And we've made our way again through the favor and freedom subsections, but yesterday we started talking about 
the final fruit subcategory of our study. The fruit. Amen. Now let's begin today by noticing what I want to refer to as a reiteration. Verse number 22, but now being made free from sin and becoming servants to God. Here, Paul is refreshing and reiterating two important truths that he had previously established over the course of our study of Romans chapter 6. And they are, first of all, again, two things that he's wanting to uh, remind us of. He's already established the fact, first of all, that through our newfound identity with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we who are saved have been made free. We have been delivered out from under the rule, the reign, the dominion, and the authority of sin. And we've talked about that, spent an abundance of time uh, throughout our study of this chapter just trying to hammer home the fact that because we identify with the, 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 the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the power of the gospel, the dunamis, the dunamis, the dynamite, Shekinah glory of God that's been made available to us through the gospel, amen, we've been made free and we've been delivered uh, from the bonds and the authority and the reign of sin that previously uh, ruled over our lives. Chapter number 6, verse 7, Paul makes the initial statement that he that is dead is free from sin. But then in verse number 18, the apostle once again makes the statement, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And now finally here in verse number 22, Paul again makes the statement, but now being made free from sin. So this idea of being made free from sin is certainly one of the primary themes and the key thoughts of the entire chapter itself. Real quick, let me just ask you, how many of you this afternoon that are watching or listening to the broadcast are forever thankful for the fact that you have been made free from sin? Jesus himself said it in John number eight, chapter number 8, verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Now that we've been made free, we need to walk in the newness and the likeness of our spiritual freedom. Uh, now then in uh, verse number 32 of that same chapter, John chapter number 8, Jesus once again spoke these words, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what a blessed thing it is to know that we who are saved by God's amazing and marvelous grace know what it is to, made, to be made free. Not only by the blessed Son of God, but also uh, through the living Word of God. Amen. It's that combination of truth that is revealed and manifested to us by way of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what secures and pro provides us, we Christians, with an opportunity to be made free. But the second truth Paul tries to re reiterate and reestablish here in our text is that not only does our newfound identity with the Lord Jesus allow us to be made free from sin, but it also allows us to become servants of God as well. And once again, this is another important idea that is interwoven uh, throughout the entirety of Romans chapter number 6. And this idea is first mentioned in verse 13 of our text where the Word of God refers to the fact that when we are, who are saved first yield ourselves unto the Lord, we literally become instruments uh, or utensils or tools 
uh, of righteousness. Then again in verse number 16, we find a strong connection between our status as servants and the demonstration of that status by way of our obedience unto righteousness. Amen. Then finally in verse number 18, Paul once again establishes the strong correlation between the fact that our freedom from sin provides us with an opportunity to become servants of righteousness. And that's, can I just say that there's no gray area or middle ground uh, as it relates to who or, or what you are a servant of? You're even a servant of sin or you're a servant of righteousness. And there's no in-between when it comes to that. You'll yield yourself to Satan and to sin or you'll yield yourself to Jesus and unto righteousness. And we've spent quite a bit of time on previous episodes of the broadcast establishing the fact that our newfound liberty and freedom we now possess as Christians does not give us the inherent right to live our lives any way we desire so choose to do so. What shall we, um, uh, amen, continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We've been set free, so we, may, we must not allow the, the newfound liberty that we now possess as children of the Most High God to serve as a license, amen, uh, amen, uh, that would somehow give us the right to live in sin and to take advantage of the amazing grace of God. But instead, our newfound deliverance from sin provides us with the great privilege and opportunity to present the individual members of our bodies as servants unto the Lord. And Paul once again will remind us of this fact later on in our study of chapter number 12, verse 1, where the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the Lord, which is your reasonable service. So again, here are two truths that Paul is just trying to remind us of and to refresh our memory concerning and regarding uh, the, the, the first part of verse 22 of our text. And that is that through our newfound affiliation with the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, we who are saved have been made free from sin and we have become servants of the Lord as well as under righteousness. Now, so now let's notice the substantiation, verse 22. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. Now over the remaining part of verse number 22, Paul provides us with two specific fruits that are available to those who choose to yield themselves uh, and the individual members of their bodies under the reign of Christ through righteousness rather than unto sin. And obviously these righteous fruits are contrasted up against the wicked and sinful fruit that is described for us in verse 21, which was the content of yesterday's study. But as it relates to these two specific kinds of righteous fruit, again, that are described here in verse 22 of our text, I believe one has to do with our current and present lives here on earth, while the other has to do with our future existence with Christ uh, Jesus in the portals of heaven. And we might also say that while one fruit is tangible in nature, the other is spiritual in its overall character. Again, we're talking about fruit. We're talking about fruit tonight. Uh, that is the result and the consequence of the seed that's been sown in our lives. 
But then we might also say that while one of these two fruits are conditional in nature, I believe the other fruit is unconditional in its overall substance and makeup. But the first of the two fruits Paul refers to here in verse number 22 is the word holiness. Now we must also remember how that the type of fruit we bear and produce in our lives spiritually, even as saved, born-again Christians, will always be determined by what kind of seed we choose to sow in our lives as God's people. The Bible tells us in Galatians 7, uh, 6, verse 7 and 8, and stay with me, I'm going somewhere today. I really believe you're going to enjoy the last section of today's broadcast. But Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Paul wrote this, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Uh, friend, you cannot sow righteous seed and expect to produce or generate unrighteous fruit in your life. Neither can you sow unrighteous seed into your heart and life and experience to grow or ex- expect to grow or cultivate a crop of holy and righteous fruit. Whatever kind of, uh, of fruit uh, you, your life produces and bears will be determined uh, by the kind of seed that is sown. It's just the simple law of sowing and reaping. But if we who are saved choose to sow the right kind of spiritual seed, Uh, into our lives as God's people, we can expect to grow, harvest, and produce what the the Bible refers to here in our text, verse number 22, Romans chapter number 6, as fruit unto holiness. And I don't know about you, friend, but that's the kind of fruit that I want my life to produce and generate is fruit unto holiness. So the question I want to ask all of us here today Uh, including myself, is what kind of crop uh, is our lives harvesting and producing? Is it a crop of holiness and righteousness, or is it a crop of wickedness, fleshliness, and sinful immorality? And once more, what kind of crop we're harvesting and producing in our lives will tell us all we need to know regarding what kind of seed we are actually sowing. This concept is described uh, perfectly. It fits perfectly like a glove to the contents of our current study. Paul writes to the Galatian Christians in chapter number 5, verse number 16 through 26. The apostle writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now that's sowing the right kind of seed, walking in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not in under the law. Now the works of the spirit, uh, excuse me, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. What Paul is getting ready to do uh, right here in the next few verses is to provide you with some examples of the type of fruit that will be generated and pop up in your life spiritually if you are guilty of sowing the wrong kind of sinful and unrighteous uh, seed. So here he begins describing the different kind of fruit that we can produce. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, 
lasciviousness or taking advantage of the grace of God. Idolatry. How about this one? Witchcraft. I'm afraid there's a lot of, uh, of, of forms of witchcraft that are being uh, dabbled in and partaken of even amongst the people of God. You say, Brother Nick, can God's people be guilty of practicing witchcraft? I'm afraid that we can many times without even knowing it. Hatred, variant, simulation, wrath, strife, seditions. How about this one? Heresies. There are a lot of heresies going on today uh, in the religious and even in the uh, evangelical Christian realm. Envings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the wrong kind of fruit that is produced in our lives uh, if we choose to sow worldly, uh, fleshly, and devilish sinful fruit. But now he provides a totally different list. But the fruit of the Spirit is, is this. And now Paul is uh, going to describe to us some of the right kind of fruit that is according to God's will for the people of God to generate in their lives. But again, whether or not we are producing uh, the kind of fruit that Paul is getting ready to describe for, uh, to us depends upon whether or not we're sowing the right kind of seed, godly seed, spiritual seed. Uh, amen. Um, so here he gives us this list. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So again, we're talking about a perfect contrast between the different kinds of potential fruit we are liable to produce in our lives depending upon whether or not we choose to sow godly and righteous seed into our lives spiritually or whether we choose to sow wicked and sinful seed into our hearts even as saved, born-again believers. Uh, once again, the kind of crop you are harvesting and producing in your life, and I'm just trying to summarize it all today, uh, it will be a dead giveaway regarding what kind of seed you're sowing into the soil of your heart and life on a daily basis. All right. Now there's a culmination. Not only fruit unto holiness. That's the first kind of godly fruit we can produce as Christians. And we've described some of that godly fruit by way of the fruit of the Spirit as is uh, described by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5. But now there's a culmination and the end everlasting life. Here we find the end result of a life that has been spent sowing the right kind of spiritual seed unto holiness, righteousness, and godliness as opposed to a life that has been spent sowing wicked, evil, sinful, and immoral seed into the soil of their own hearts and lives. Of course, the ultimate determination on whether or not a person truly achieves the eternal and everlasting life that is referred to here in this verse, the end of Romans 6.22, uh, has to do with the final and irreversible decision one makes regarding what they choose to do with God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to elaborate that and drive home 
the final proverbial nail in the coffin, so to speak, uh, in verse number 23, um, uh, the, the kind of the, the climactic verse uh, of the entire chapter. But now, for now, let's just say that the ultimate fruit of a life that has been spent sowing holy and righteous seed will be a harvest and a crop that yields eternal and everlasting life unto salvation. Friend, if you want to make sure that at the end of your life there are no regrets, uh, amen, that, that there, there's no remorse because you spent your life sowing the wrong kind of seed and as a result you ended up reaping the wrong kind of fruit. Amen. You better, uh, amen, make sure that you do the right thing as it re result, relates to Jesus Christ. Uh, again, Paul uh, is again going to elaborate in verse number 23 by revealing to us the ultimate and eternal fruit of a life that's been spent sowing the wrong kind of wicked, immoral, and corrupt seed, which is a fruit, a harvest, and a crop of eternal, never-ending punishment uh, and damnation where that person is tormented forever in the flames and fires of the devil's hell. That's the ultimate fruit of a person who chooses to sow seeds of sin into the soil of their heart and life. And that's condemnation and damnation. But for the saved man who chooses to sow seeds of righteousness and holiness unto the Lord their God, they will reap an eternal harvest of everlasting and unending spiritual life in heaven with Jesus. And certainly the contrast could not be more distinct or different regarding the type of crop that is yielded, harvested, and produced depending upon what kind of seed that is actually being sown. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. Uh, amen. You sow righteous seed, you're going to produce righteous fruit. You sow sinful and wicked and ungodly seed, you're going to, uh, amen, reap a harvest of condemnation and damnation. That's why this business, friend, you listen to me today of making sure we sow the right kind of seed into our lives. Spiritually is so important. Why? Because one day there will be no more important priority for us than to make sure that we have yielded the right kind and the right type of fruit we want to harvest, whether it be a crop of eternal damnation and suffering in hell or a crop of uh, everlasting and eternal life in heaven forever with Jesus. Amen. That's going to be the fruit of your life, one way or another. Uh, there's only two types of fruit that can be harvested at the end of a, of a spiritual life here on earth. And that's either a, con, uh, a, a crop and a harvest and a fruit of eternal condemnation, damnation, and separation from a holy God in hell. Or, or a fruit of never-ending bliss in the eternal Heavenly, heaven abode of God as we enjoy uh, the harvest of everlasting and eternal life with Jesus. So let me just ask you here today, is there anything more important in our lives as human beings than to make sure we sow the right kind of seed now in this life so that we can be sure that we end up reaping the right kind of harvest we will no doubt want to reap in the life to come. And once again, the kind of seed we sow in this life does not immediately, you listen to me, friend, or instantaneously reap a harvest. And that's why this business of sowing and reaping 
can be such a dangerous thing because ultimately it takes a lifetime of sowing, cultivating and growing a righteous or unrighteous crop that will produce and generate a certain type of harvest, not tangibly or physically in this life, but spiritually and eternally that will not produce its fruit or generate its harvest until our life is over and has ended. Remember, friend, there are no do-overs. There are no second chances when it comes to this business of sowing and reaping an eternal harvest with your life. And even though the yield, the crop, and the fruit uh, bearing in the harvest season may seem right now to be a far and a long way off, sowing season is in full gear now, currently, and at this moment of your life, you're living this day, not tomorrow, not next week, next month, or even next year. Now is the time to sow because tomorrow could be the great reaping day. Uh, you know, the truth is tomorrow may never come. And you may not have another chance besides this day, right now, today, to sow any more seed than what you are sowing right now or what you have already sown up to this point in time in your life. Because of that, you better make sure you sow you some salvation seed today in order to guarantee the fact that there's a harvest of eternal and everlasting life waiting for you when harvest season comes. Amen. Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James 4, 13 through 15, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get great gain. Whereas you know not what shall be in the morrow for what is your life. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say if the Lord will we shall live and do this or that. Uh, there truly is friend pleasure in sin for a season. And although according to Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Harvest time is coming. And in order to reap and to glean the kind of harvest you want to on that day, you better make sure you spend your life sowing the right kind of seed on this day, today, now, because tomorrow may never come. Amen. We may not have another chance to sow other than what we're sowing today. Uh, amen. The great reaping day could be right around the corner for your life, friend. Amen. Condemnation, verse 23. Here's where we get into, uh, amen, a wonderful verse of the Scriptures, for the wages of sin is death. Here we find what is another one of those great and iconic verses, not only that is found within the book of Romans, but also within the confines of the entire Word of God itself. Brethren, you listen to me today, friend. And again, all of this is set up for what we're going to talk about just for the next few minutes. Chapter number 6, verse 23, it is the perfect summarization of everything Paul has been trying to convey to us throughout the entirety of our study of chapter number 6. Amen. I'm telling you, friends, this verse does as outstanding and spectacular of a job as could ever be done of wrapping not just the entire chapter, but really the entire message of the gospel itself up, putting a bow on top as could ever be done. And I don't know about anyone else, but I guess I'm just about as thankful for Romans chapter 6, verse 23, 
as there as I am any other verse that is that exists in the entire Word of God. So let's just share a few things about this uh, here this afternoon, and then, uh, Lord willing, tomorrow we will pick up our study, beginning a brand new section. I'm very excited about it. Romans chapter number seven, and one of the most practical and applicable chapters that is found in the entire book uh, of Romans. And by that, uh, again, Paul's talking about condemnation. And this is the exact same pattern he uses in his framing of the whole book of Romans itself. Uh, I'm talking about uh, that before you can ever provide a remedy or a solution for the problem itself, you must first establish the reality and the severity of the problem as it actually exists in our lives as human beings. And honestly, Paul has been attempting to do that, obviously, throughout the entirety of Romans. But particularly over the last couple of verses of the text itself, we've been studying, uh, amen, that the only alternative to, uh, amen, sowing righteous seed that leads to eternal and everlasting life is to sow sinful seed which will produce death separation and condemnation from God in hell. No middle ground, no such thing as purgatory, no second chances, no do-overs. Amen. It's either everlasting life or eternal condemnation. It's that simple. Better make sure you sow the right kind of seed. And the terrible, tragic, and bad news for we human beings who are a part of Adam's race is that the wages of sin is death. Paul so eloquently revealed to us back in our study of chapter number 5 of this same book, verse number 12, he wrote, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Simply put, Adam's first and original sin plunged the entire human race, not just into an existence of sin, but also a curse and a condemnation of sorrow and suffering that if left alone and not dealt with would culminate with eternal death, never-ending separation from God in the eternal flames and fires of a devil's hell. Friend, if that were the end of the story, then we sinners and we human beings who were born and under the curse and the condemnation of Adam, amen, the first Adam, the first man, uh, hey, listen, I, I'm not nearly as thankful for the first man as I am the God-man because what the first man could not do for me, the, the God-man was able to do over and abundant what I needed him to do. So here's the commendation. We've seen the condemnation, but how about the commendation? Verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life. So here we find the fact that the consequences, and here's where it really starts to get good, of sin, which is eternal death and separation from God and the flames and fires of hell is not the end of the story. And praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah and glory to the Lamb. For the fact that what man could not do for himself, God provided a solution and a remedy. He came through. He intervened and provided you and I who were lost without hope uh, on our way to hell, dead in our trespasses and our sins. God provided man with a remedy and an antidote and a once and for all solution to his own sinful condition. Now, we've been di discussing the blessed reality of this truth throughout the entirety of our study of the book of Romans itself.
but, but specifically the fruit, the harvest, and the crop that God has provided and made available to we sinners who were able to provide it for ourselves came in the form of eternal and everlasting life. And here in Romans chapter number 6, verse 23, Paul refers to it as a gift. But I want to say to you here this afternoon, as you're watching or listening to the Trumpet Series Bible study broadcast, that uh, the everlasting and eternal life God has provided and made available to fallen men wasn't just any gift per se, but it was and still is the greatest gift that could ever be given Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite Bible verses. We studied it uh, uh, several weeks back. But God commendeth or gave His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If there's any uh, individual verse uh, in the Bible that ought to make you shout and have a running spell, it's Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let me read it again. But God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift and salvation, everlasting and eternal life, the righteousness of God. Uh, amen. That crop, that harvest of righteousness that God has made available to we undeserving and condemned sinners is the greatest gift. And it truly is an unspeakable gift. Everlasting life. Um, the righteousness of Jesus, uh, the everlasting life, it is the, pr the fruit, the product, the harvest, and the yield of righteousness. Both or but the real pressing question we must ask is what is the seed that must be sown in order to generate and produce the right kind of harvest? Amen. If you're going to have the, if you're going to reap the right kind of fruit, then you better make sure you're, you've sown the right kind of seed. Well, there's only one seed that can be sown to produce the right kind of harvest that you and I will so desperately need come harvest season of our life. Amen. That's right. The Lord Jesus, He's the only seed that will do through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's how uh, Paul concludes verse, uh, the, the Romans chapter number 6, the end of verse number 23. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here, the right kind of seed that must be sown into the soul of man's heart and life in order to produce a crop and a product of righteousness that will truly yield eternal life and everlasting life. It is none other than, than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And friends, may I just say that Jesus is the only kind of seed to be sown that can ever generate a harvest of righteousness that will ever yield a crop of eternal life. No doubt about it, friend, any other kind of seed that could ever be sown into the heart of man will always yield the wrong kind of fruit and will no doubt produce a crop of condemnation, damnation, and devastation that will lead to an eternal separation from God and the flames and fires of that hellish place. 
Very simply, either you sow Jesus' seed into the soil of your heart and life that will produce righteous and eternal fruit, or you'll sow any and every form of seed available to fallen man. And although it might seem like good seed while you're sowing it, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that are sowing what they view and deem to be good seed. They're sincere and they're sowing. I mean, with all their hearts, they believe that they're sowing the right kind of fruit that's going to seed that's going to produce a harvest of righteousness and eternal life when in reality they're fooled, they're blinded, and they're wasting their time. Might as well not sow any seed if you're going to sow the wrong kind of seed. At the end of your life, when it's all said and done, it'll undoubtedly yield if you sow any other seed besides Jesus. That seed will yield a crop and a harvest of death separation and damnation as you suffer forever in hell's flames. I'm telling you, friend, Buddha seed won't do it. Allah seed isn't good enough. Muhammad's seed won't get the job done. Confucius seed won't cut the mustard. New Age mysticism and the occult will lead you to hell. Church membership, baptism, communion, the sacraments, the Word of Faith movement, the Prosperity Gospel, the Deliverance Gospel, and all of these other different kinds of seed are insufficient. They're counterfeit, counterfeit imitations of the real thing. You know, when you're sowing seed, a lot of times when you just hold it in your hand, it looks the same. Uh, amen. And you may sow it into the ground thinking that you're going to uh, yield uh, the right kind of fruit. But friend, it may look like the grass seed. Amen. But if it's the wrong kind of seed, it's going to produce and generate the wrong kind of fruit. You know, the truth of the matter is, friend, uh, that the only kind of seed that will do when it comes to yielding, producing, and generating a crop and a harvest of righteousness in, uh, unto uh, everlasting life is the pure, undefiled, and unadulterated seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, that seed is so pure, so perfect, and so precious that we sinners could not even sow it for ourselves or in our own lives. But instead, somebody had to come and do it for us and to sow it into the soil of our own hearts and lives on our behalf. And praise God that somebody was none other than the blessed Holy Spirit Himself. But on the day, the Lord took the Word of God and combined it, mixed it up with Holy Ghost fertilizer and sowed it into the soil of my heart that had been plowed up with old time conviction, that seed of righteousness that's been made available to me through the sinless life of the Lord Jesus. It took root. It sprouted up and now it's in the process of yielding a bumper crop that will one day end in a heavenly harvest of eternal an everlasting life that will last forever and it'll never end. Let me just ask you today, as we conclude today's episode of the Trumpet Series broadcast, how many of you are so forever thankful that you know what it is for the right kind of seed to be sown into the soil of your heart and life? And because of that, you know without a doubt that one day come harvest season, that crop's going to yield a bumper harvest uh, of righteousness unto eternal and everlasting life. Friend, it's this simple. And let's wrap it all up. Let's put a bow, not just on today's study, but the entire 
book of Romans chapter 6. You'll either sow seeds of righteousness through Jesus that will generate eternal life in your heart and soul, or you'll sow seeds of sin that will produce an eternal consequence of never-ending damnation, separation. Uh, God help us from the Lord in the flames of a devil's hell. So listen, friend. You better make sure you sow the right kind of seed in this life so you yield the right type of fruit in the life to come. Harvest time's coming. Summer has ended. Fall, uh, amen, has come on. And winter's just right around the bend. We better get busy sowing the right kind of seed now. And listen, not just in our lives, but into the hearts and lives of our loved ones uh, before the reaper comes to glean and to gather up the sheaves. Friend, don't you just make assumption that tomorrow will be another day of sowing. That next week or next month or next year, this time next year, that you'll still have an opportunity to sow seed in your own life. Seeds of righteousness. Seeds of Jesus. Or seeds, the gospel seeds of salvation into the lives of those you love and care about. The truth is, now may be the, the, the last day, the last chance and the last opportunity that's afforded your heart to either sow Jesus' seed into your own life or to sow the seed of the gospel into somebody that you love and care dearly for. And the truth is, that great reaping day may just be right around the corner. Tomorrow, before the sun goes down, Jesus could come again. And before the sun comes up on tomorrow, the trumpet could sound, the clouds could roll back, and we who are alive and remain, we'll be caught up to heaven. Friend, have you sown salvation into your life? Have, has there ever been a point in time where the Holy Ghost of God plowed up your fallow ground? Amen. And, and again, fertilized your heart with, the, with, with conviction. Uh, amen. And sowed the seed of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your heart. Amen. Uh, and, and that seed broke forth and spread it up into abundant and everlasting life. Friend, if that hasn't taken place, I want to encourage you to call on Jesus. Trust Him as your Savior. Receive Him. Repent over your sins before it's too late because the great day of reaping may just be right around the bend. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity that you've given to me to conduct another edition of the Trumpet Series broadcast. Thank you, Lord, for... Um, given me the grace to prepare, uh, Lord, and then to give out, to publish the Word of God as you revealed it unto me. Lord, I pray you'd speak to the hearts of our viewers and listeners. God, continue to uh, uh, enlarge our coast, broaden our borders so that more people might be exposed to the inerrant, infallible truths of thus saith the Lord. God bless us tonight. As we meet for Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting, bless the United for Christ ministry that meets here tonight at United Baptist Church. Lord, have you will in your way and help us to get busy sowing while we have the chance because when that great day of reaping comes, it'll be too late to sow. Whatsoever a man soweth, that 
shall he also reap. We love you, Father, and we pray that everything that's been said and done today would bring honor and glory unto thy name. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Have a great day, and God bless you is our prayer.